0: Welcome back to E.M. Stud. I'm Dr. Nate, and I thought I'd kick off our first official episode talking about what is undoubtedly on every fourth year's mind right now, interviews. Now, I know there's some variability out there in terms of opinions on when to interview, how to arrange or schedule your interviews, whether or not to go to all of your interviews, etc. But what I'm going to focus on in this episode is what you should be doing to prepare the night before and how to leave the best impression you can on interview day. Now, let me just say that I'm not a program director, and I haven't had years and years of experience interviewing applicants, but I have been on both sides of the interview desk, and I've done my time climbing out from behind stacks of applications. In addition to that, I've had the opportunity to sit down with other faculty interviewers and learn from the amazing compilation of advising resources from across the country. So, let me introduce to you what I think is a practical way to be successful on your interviews. And here it is, the 7 Ps of RSI, or a really stellar interview. The 7 Ps are preparation, practice, punctuality, professionalism, precision, avoiding pet peeves, and finally, perspective. Step 1, Preparation. The first step is to adequately prepare for your interview. This is incredibly important. So what does that mean exactly? Before you show up, you want to make sure you know as much as possible about the program. The easiest way to start is to look at their website. Most programs will have lots of useful information related to things such as their curriculum, number of ICU rotations, and how many hospitals you will work at. Some will also include information about compensation and benefits. Remember, you are essentially interviewing for a job. What can make you look woefully unprepared is if you show up and ask the same questions that the program made available on their website just so that you wouldn't have to ask. In other words, it would be bad to ask, so how many pediatric blocks are there? Especially if it's listed in big bold letters online. It may also help to look at who the core or academic faculty are, if that is listed, because those are the people that are probably going to be doing the interviewing. Some recommend actually looking over some of the faculty members' publications so you can show that extra level of interest and attention to detail. It also doesn't hurt if you have similar research interests and can strike up an engaging conversation. Another thing you need to do to prepare is to bring extra copies of things like your CV and publications, especially if you're worried that your application may not be up to date due to a last-minute edition. If there's something new on your CV that you're particularly proud of, offer it up to add to your file. Otherwise, most interviewers will have read or will at least had the opportunity to read your complete application, but it never hurts to bring extra copies just in case. You don't have to bring your personal statement or your transcript, That stuff we already have. As a side note, if you don't have a professional-looking folio or notepad case, now is the time to get one. Your CV will not look impressive if it's been folded several times and shoved in your pocket. Step 2. Practice. It is one thing to know what to say, it is another thing entirely to actually say it. You need to practice interviewing if you want to come across as more natural and confident. Grab a friend, family member, fellow student, or your favorite pillow, and practice answering questions off the top of your head. The more you do it, the easier it becomes, trust me. If your school's EM interest group or your clerkship offers mock interviews, take part. It is time well spent. The key is you need to have an idea of what to say in response to commonly asked questions without sounding over-rehearsed or speechy. At some point, someone will probably ask you about your strengths and weaknesses. Don't be that guy trying to come up with an answer on the spot. It shows lack of preparation and insight into yourself. Be prepared to answer off-the-wall type questions too. If you were a lampshade, what color would you be? If you had twenty dollars and five minutes in a grocery store, What would you name your cat? I'm kidding, sort of, but there are some interesting questions out there. Some other commonly asked questions that you should think about beforehand. How would your best friend or worst enemy describe you? What is your favorite, fill in the blank, and why? What's an example of a difficult situation you've encountered, and how did you overcome it? And one of my favorites, what do you believe is the biggest challenge in emergency medicine right now? So grab a friend, or a tape recorder, or better yet, a friend with a tape recorder, come up with some honest answers, and practice delivering them. Step 3. Punctuality It's never good to show up late. In fact, showing up on time is often considered late. Think about it from the program's perspective. If you showed up late to your incredibly important interview, are you also going to show up late to your next shift? In essence, Being punctual is a part of being professional, but I think it deserves its own bullet point because being late leaves such a strong impression. The program coordinators have spent an enormous amount of time preparing for the day, checking and rechecking everyone's schedule, staying on top of the caterer to make sure the food gets there on time. In fact, at most places, the day is so packed with introductions, tours, meet-and-greet sessions, interviews, that without someone keeping everything on target, the day could easily fall apart. With so much effort put into everything, showing up late can make you come across as being unappreciative. That being said, if something does come up, call and let the program coordinator know ASAP. We all realize that flights are delayed, hotel shuttles are slow, and elevators don't always work in the morning for some reason. So if you're going to be a few minutes late, give them a heads up and apologize even if it's not your fault. To prevent being tardy, try to anticipate where you could run into trouble. If you can get into town the day before, drive by the hospital and find out where you'll be parking. If you anticipate an early rush hour, leave even earlier. If you have a tendency to sleep through alarm clocks at hotels, ask the front desk for a wake-up call. Have your clothes ready and laid out for yourself in the morning, and don't forget to check the weather. Another point I want to make about punctuality is that the one thing worse than showing up late is not showing up at all. It is inevitable that some of you will decide towards the end of your interview trail that you really don't want to fly all the way across the country for your 47th interview at a place where you didn't really want to live anyway. If that's the case, call the program and let them know that you'll be canceling. It's okay, it's expected, but canceling in advance as opposed to the day of gives that program enough time to fill your spot with someone who may really really want to be there. And here's your warning. If you simply don't show up, and you are too lazy to cancel ahead of time, other programs may hear about it. EM is still a relatively small community after all. Step 4. Professionalism Some of the most important parts of professionalism were covered under punctuality, but there are still some more things to consider. Remember that this is a job interview. Yes, you are evaluating the programs and will come up with your rank list, too but I have yet to hear of a program that treats its interviewees with anything less than the highest degree of courtesy and respect. So, wear something your parents would be proud of, and be on your best behavior. First, the attire. I'm no fashionista, and maybe you are, but go conservative here. Dark suits for guys, suits or long skirts for ladies. You're not going to have your picture taken for a magazine, so what you wear should not become a topic of conversation. Something professional, clean, free of wrinkles, without bright distracting colors or scents, will allow your interviewer to forget what you're wearing and focus on what's more important, you. Next, be polite to everybody, really. To start, the program coordinators generally have a lot of pull with the program directors. So, that somewhat abrasive email or that pushy voice message can come back to haunt you. If you attend the night out, which you should, more on that later, remember that even if it's devoid of attendings, you are constantly being observed. If you drink and you do drink, cap it at one. Say something bad about another program after a few too many and word can spread. On interview day, everyone deserves a firm handshake and to be looked in the eye. Chewing gum is a no-no and flirting is a big red flag. Finally, be yourself and be honest in your responses. The point, after all, is for everyone to get to know one another. Don't say the program is number one on your list if it's not true. If you fib or exaggerate, even if you're not caught, it's still a bad reflection of your character. Step 5. Precision This may be the hardest part of the interview, keeping your answers precise. Different interviewers may be looking for different things, knowledge, attitude, creativity, for example, and answering the actual question that was asked is important. Listen carefully, and if you don't understand, ask your interviewers to repeat or rephrase themselves. Answers that ramble, dodge the question, or worse yet, have nothing to do with the question, aren't likely to score you points. For example, if someone asks you for your weaknesses and you say, I study too hard, or I simply care too much, it comes across as a little shallow on the insight, Rather, if you respond that you know you don't do well on examinations because you procrastinate and have a hard time cramming the night before, well then at least that's something you recognize and can work on. Precision also means that you know everything in your application. On the final line of the last page of your CV, if you wrote something about traveling to Central America on a medical mission trip, be prepared to talk about it for an hour if you had to. Please don't, but be prepared to. If your name is on a publication, and that publication is in your application, make sure you know at a minimum what role you had in the study and what the outcomes were. If under hobbies, you mentioned you like to read, well, then be prepared to give a mini book report on something. Ultimately, what I'm trying to get across here is that anything in your application is fair game as a topic in an interview. So now you've answered all of your interviewer's questions, except that last dreaded one. Do you have any questions for me? Hopefully, you came prepared with a list of actual questions you want to know the answer to. If something is missing from the website and wasn't covered in the day's intro, use this opportunity to fill in the blanks. Great questions to ask include things that show your insight into the type of training and experience you're looking for, like, how many of your residents stay in academics versus practice in the community, or how many of your faculty participate in conferences. While it's a good idea to have a list of questions ready to go, don't simply ask questions just to ask questions. If you ask each of your interviewers the same thing, for example, it may seem odd. Step 6. Avoid pet peeves. It is perhaps inevitable that interviewers after a long enough exposure to residency applicants over time, will suffer from Pet Peeve Syndrome, or PPS. While the exact etiology of PPS is still under debate, some common triggers have been reported. Falling asleep during an interview or a tour. Having no idea about the program you are interviewing at. Asking questions that clearly show you didn't bother looking at the website only caring about how many traumas you will see, not realizing that emergency physicians actually do other stuff too, being overconfident, criticizing other programs or individuals, lacking the ability to express why you're interested in the specific program you are at today, not taking the time to come to the night out after everything that was done to host it just for you, calling anybody in the program by their first name, These are just a few examples. Please, do your part to help your interviewers avoid a flare of PPS. Step 7. Perspective At the end of the day, the goal for both parties is to simply get to know one another. If you have been offered an interview, the program likely sees you as someone who can make it through an EM residency. The interview is to help determine if you, more or less, fit. You should also ask yourself, does this program fit me? So make the most out of your visit. Engage yourself during the tour. Pay attention to the details in the introduction. Meet as many people as you can, and talk to the other applicants to learn what they think, too. Take notes throughout the day, and when you get home, compare and contrast the places you've been and make adjustments to your early rank list. Just as the program directors ask themselves, would I go nuts if I had to hang out with this guy at 4am in an empty ED? When you leave, turn around, look at the hospital, and ask yourself, can I see myself working here every day for the next 3-4 to four years? Well, that wraps up this episode on how to interview successfully using the seven P's of RSI. As always, post a question or comment on our webpage if you like at www.emstud.com. For now, this is Dr. Nate saying, don't be a dud when you can be an EM stud.